0: Welcome once again to A Novel Evening as always I'm Danny. you can find me over on Instagram and TikTok as at A Novel Evening Podcast hello welcome I am very excited by this week's recording um, first and foremost let's go back a moment to Only A Monster which blew up on bookstagram is so beloved by fantasy fans Anyone who loves that anti-hero trope, give me, give me that goodness, give me that anti-hero. And Vanessa Len is back with the sequel, Never a Hero. I am so excited. And she is joining me today on the podcast to talk all about this novel. I'm going to delve deep. I want to find out what's going on with Joan. Give me those answers and I cannot wait to find out what comes next for her, what we're going to see from her coming up and also to find out what she's going to bring to her novel evening. So a huge hello to Vanessa. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. It's a very warm, lovely Melbourne evening tonight.
0: I was going to say, you're all the way in Australia and you guys are now getting your summer, right? It's getting warm over there.
1: Yeah, it's still spring, but it really feels like summer tonight. I've got my I've got my fan, so I hope it doesn't. I hope you can't
0: hear it. I do. I occasionally I can see your hair like wafting <laughs> as you're getting. I mean, here we've just had autumn has just struck in the UK, so we're getting we're very cold. I we're trying to avoid putting the heating on because there's a cost of living crisis, so we can't afford it. So I'm very jealous of you right now.
1: Um, well, I guess, I guess when it was warm for you, it was cold for us. It's always, <laughs> we I always get the opposite. your
0: cold is the same as our cold though. I've, I don't know. How cold does it get for you guys?
1: I don't know, but I will say that I've only been to London in summer and it was so hot. It was not as advertised. <laughs> I was so hot.
0: <laughs> it's very, do you know, I think London is definitely one of the, whenever I go to London in the summer, it's roasting, but I think it is just because it's the city The rest of the country like we do get heat waves they're very short they're not like you guys have an actual summer we have like three days of summer where it's like 30 degrees and we can't cope we're not built for it
1: we can't deal with it it was beautiful i was like this is lovely i don't know what why anyone ever says anything mean about london weather it's lovely (laughs) all the time (laughs) yes
0: for the one day you were in london it was sweating do you have any plans to come back because obviously the book is out do you plan to come back
1: I would love to I had actually written the whole first book before I ever went or well, before I went to London so I was mostly <laughs> doing research on Google Maps like street view so I kind of went to London after I'd finished it when um just after I got my agent just as a bit of a treat for myself I was like oh I'm going to treat myself to go to London and go to the settings of the book but yeah strangely I had already written it before I went but I did sort of I did sort of make some changes after I went
0: what was your reasoning for setting it in London what was your reasoning for setting it somewhere where you weren't as familiar
1: I didn't really think about it I think it was mostly because it's a time travel book and London is so documented I feel like you can overlay five different maps of five different centuries and find the exact spot you would need to be No time traveling to go to a palace that's no longer there. So it's kind of the perfect time travel city.
0: Yeah, Melbourne's a bit different. You couldn't really <laughs> set it, just be barren. You'd <laughs> Just land and be like, oh, this, this is what was here.
1: Yeah, it's not, I feel like it's just not as documented. It's like, I was really shocked, like every single tiny little council library in London had its own documented like section just for that area. It was amazing
0: and of course I take that for granted I wouldn't think about anything like that but I guess when you're researching you dive into these rabbit holes and get to see what's going on it must be was there anything that really surprised you that you came across you didn't expect
1: um I would say there are lots of little places I thought I really knew a lot about London already um but I think I mostly knew all the tourist places so lots of little parts that I'd never heard of like um I guess the tunnel into Rotherhive, I was like, oh, I'd never heard of that before. So I think that was part of the fun of the research. I was really looking for places that used to be something else or that used to be something really exciting. So that, um, I don't know, I really like that kind of poignant nostalgia of time travel where you're like, I could go to this place that's no longer here. Yeah, and I
0: love that with time travel books. I I do think it's interesting. I mean, particularly here in the UK, we have lots of historical buildings that become people's homes, that become restaurants, that become, we really do reuse our buildings.
1: (laughs) I love that about London as well. I feel like you can find a little bit of Roman wall. It's like, what, this is 2000 years old.
0: (laughs) I had a friend who lived in an apartment, this is down in Dorset, and it was an old like mental institution. And they'd made them into like luxury flats. And I'm like, the the juxtaposition between what it used to be to now is crazy to me because the building was all still the same, but the use was so, de- and I love that.
1: I love that too. I feel like you'd want to really know it was a really, really happy, lovely place if you were going to live there.
0: Absolutely, you would not have lived in this one.
1: 100% oh, yeah. not for me. Oh, no. <laughs> No,
0: <laughs> absolutely not. Your mental institutions, I think, as a general rule in Victorian times, not so great.
1: Oh no, maybe I wouldn't want to live there then. Bad vibes. <laughs> no,
0: but now look. So, never a hero. Book two. First and foremost, we should probably, for listeners who maybe haven't read book one, maybe you should do a little, a little cliff, you know, cliff notes guide to book one. So let's dive in first to only a monster. Let's. What give me the yeah, little so- breakdown.
1: So, Only Monster is a young adult fantasy that follows a girl named Joan who discovers that her mother's side of the family are monsters, which in this world means that they can time travel. um, And there's kind of a catch where they have to steal um, time from the human lifespan in order to time travel. So. Um, they would. They might touch the back of your neck and steal a year of your life, and then they'd be able to time travel a year, and you would die a year earlier than you should have. Um, and then the other big catch for Joan is that very sadly, this guy that she's got a crush on turns out to be a monster slayer. So we have this time travel battle in Only a Monster, and the sequel Never a Hero, where we're following the point of view of the monsters and the hero is trying to kill us. See,
0: and I love I love a good anti hero story. I'm absolutely me too. I
1: just it. feel like they're so much more fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, what was it that drew you to write this kind of? Because you could have written time traveling family who were the heroes, right? What was it that drew you to have the monsters as the main characters?
1: Oh my gosh, you're so right. It's so. I was like, really? I suppose I could have. <laughs> but never occurred to me. I think I had the premise before I had the time traveling element. Right. So I had, yeah, I'd come up with a hero versus a monster first and then I wanted to come up with oh what what makes them monsters um but yeah for me I was really inspired by uh, I'm sure lots of people have this feeling like you'll be watching a movie and you'll be really into it and like oh this hero is amazing and then something will happen um for me it's often like he will just suddenly be like beating up and killing people who look like me the stunt people are often Asian for some reason <laughs> so yes and then oh yeah you're like <laughs> Suddenly, you're like, oh, I really like this guy. I really, I still really like this guy, but it seems like he's fighting, you know, against against people like me and not for people like me. It was kind of, I was like, kind of thought, wouldn't it be interesting though, then to write about one of those really kind of good, decent, upright heroes, but what if he was fighting against you rather than for you?
0: Yeah, immediately as you said that, I thought about. I'm a big fan of the John Wick films, which (laughs) I love, but is. He's always in Japan or he's somewhere. Do I mean, it's always. And I guess it's, I suppose it's meant to say something about the fighting prowess, that it takes like 75 Asian men against
1: one man. I think also it's just, I honestly think it's just there's a lot of Asian American stunt people. I think that's partly what it is. But it just has this funny effect sometimes when you're watching a film. You'll be like, oh, that's odd.
0: Well, especially when you're younger i guess that's quite a it's quite an influential thing what you're watching i mean obviously i come from very white privileged backgrounds so for me it's a very different thing you know the heroes are usually blonde white men (laughs) 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 you know even way back (laughs) (laughs) if you watch hercules as a kid you got a you got a big white man who's gonna save the day rescue everybody And I think that's a really interesting nuance upon it as well, to look at it that way. It's a funny
1: cognitive dissonance, because you are really into them, like, you do really like that hero, and then suddenly you feel like, oh, suddenly he feels like he's not really the hero of my story, suddenly. And so I thought, yeah, this might be interesting to write about. Just that feeling.
0: I'm I'm seeing a resurgence. I mean, like, there's been a lot of retellings of, like, Medusa, who was, like, your stereotypical evil woman. Medusa is bad and yet now we're seeing these stories about but why why is she like this what is actually her background who is she and I think we're interested in the villains more now
1: yeah you're so right I feel like um I don't know I feel like a monster story is very interesting they're they're kind of a new perspective they're kind of a fun perspective because they're doing things that you know normally people can't do so I think yeah I guess people are kind of reclaiming those kind of Greek and Roman monsters and I I find it quite a fun quite a fun perspective to read.
0: I find it more interesting you know when you've got a hero who's a bit morally gray ultimately they're gonna do the right thing you kind of know that but when you have a villain who I guess is morally gray for a villain because they're kind of tormented by doing the right thing I think that's a lot more interesting.
1: I agree. I was really keen to write kind of all of the characters in the book as a bit morally grey. So, you know, the hero is killing monsters and is that overkill? But then the monsters are taking life from humans and that's very bad. So I really wanted to feel like I could, like, the, maybe the reader could kind of see everyone's perspective and feel like, well, even though I don't agree with the monsters or I don't agree with the hero, at least that perspective is understandable.
0: Yeah, it's always like, I think, like, I'm a big Buffy fan. I was saying, what if you saw Buffy from this perspective of the vampires? The vampire is just trying to get through life. They're just trying to do what they need to do. And you've got this teenage girl who just ruins everything. When you look at it from the flip side of the monster, and again, it's what is a monster? What constitutes is the monster and the hero?
1: Yeah, so true. And funny you say, monster, um, it's so, funny you say Buffy, because I was like, I have been pitching it as kind of Buffy meets Doctor Who. Kind of, I feel like those are the vibes.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I love that comparison. And with book two, so you must me a little thing. This is three books. Did you know from the beginning, the plots of each book, how you were going to go through this or has it kind of changed as you're writing?
1: Um, I did this really silly thing that I would not recommend if you're an aspiring writer. I think I did planning and world building for about three years before I started writing the first book. It was very silly. It was not necessary, but it did mean that I had fully planned everything out. So um, actually when we pitched it to the publishers, it was fully pitched with all three books um, just outlined as they ended up being, yeah. And did
0: you stick quite rigidly to that when you were writing as well? Do you find did your plots kind of alter a bit as you were writing or did you really stick to that?
1: That's a really good question. I think I had had a lot of um, twists that I really wanted to do, especially in book two. So none of those changed. They were just things that I was just dying to write after setting them up in book one. Um, but occasionally when I was writing book two, I did find I was starting to veer away from what I had wanted it to be. And then I actually went back to that original synopsis that we'd used as the pitch. And I was like, let's go back to this because that's what I think is the pure essence of this book.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting that you started to kind of steer away from that and then were like, no, I need to bring it back.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's interesting. And were there any characters as you were writing that kind of surprised you? Were there characters you thought were just going to be kind of in the background who ended up coming forward for you? What, what was the kind of character I
1: feel like because I'd done such an <laughs> enormous amount of planning so silly I, what I actually ended up finding was there all these characters that I really loved and I'd created I'd given backstories and pieces of the plot I just couldn't fit them all into the books um wow. which made me really sad because <laughs> um there's so many that I really liked I was like I'm sorry Bertie I'm <laughs> sorry Charlotte you didn't make it into the books <laughs>
0: And that's hard because that's, you know, killing your darlings, isn't it? Because you've got it to did feel you got like, to, yeah, that must be quite <laughs> hard to reconcile with when you're like, actually, I've almost overplanned here.
1: Yeah. And you just really, I think, especially when they are your darlings, you're really trying to cram them in, even though, you know, deep down, this is not going to fit here. <laughs> this person has to go. <laughs>
0: that's the, that's the real hard part of writing. I think though, is is knowing when you need to take something out because it's actually going to make the book better. That's yeah, tough.
1: I feel like you you do know as well, even when you're trying to squeeze it in, you're like, I know, I know this doesn't fit in anymore, even though I'd planned it. Um, I think sometimes you've just got to go with what the book needs at the time.
0: Yeah, like my best friend and I have written a book together. We've we've let some friends read it. And we had a character we loved. And we loved him so much that we used him everywhere. And a friend of ours was like, I feel like the book's now about him. Like, you've actually used him too much. And that's really hard. And you're like, oh, I'm going to have to, but I love him. Now I'm going to have to take him out because actually it's not about him.
1: Oh, so you didn't pull him back. You just, you
0: took him out. Well, we did pull him back. We pulled him back, but there was bits that I really wanted to leave. And I was like. Yeah, it's not really necessary. He doesn't really need to be in this scene. He doesn't need to keep turning up to everything they're doing. We can just...
1: So sad. So sad. There's one character (laughs) that I just kept putting back over and over and just giving him more and more scenes, but I just could never fit him in. So, very sad.
0: Oh, and look, you're obviously going to be, I guess you're working on book three or is book three
1: done? Yes, no, I'm working on book three at the moment. I feel like it's been the most fun one so far.
0: Oh, and how does that feel when you're working? I mean, if you sent three years planning and then writing how does it feel to be working on the final book
1: um I think it's funny I feel like I maybe when I finish it I'll really I'll feel a real sense of loss or sadness that I have finished this series but at the moment I just feel excited I feel like this is um this is this is definitely the book where everything's been set up and it's just fun so I feel almost like I'm writing fan fiction of my own book like it's the fun part
0: yeah, you're getting to the culmination of all of this, you're getting
1: to really play with. I can see <laughs> yeah, your the face characters have all like, been this
0: is great. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, the characters have all been set up, the situations have been set up. Um, and not to spoil the end of book two, but something really big happens and it's it's it becomes something that I really enjoy when I'm watching TV or movies.
0: Okay. Oh, there's a little hint there. Okay, okay. I mean <sighs> Is there a pressure as well with a third book that, you know, your readers are going to be expecting? They've got an expectation. I know when I read a trilogy or a series, I've got an expectation in my head of how something's going to end. Does that, do you feel that pressure or are you pretty confident readers will be happy?
1: Well, yeah, that's <laughs> a good question. Um, yeah, actually, I don't, I, I, weirdly, I don't know if this is terrible, but I don't really think about the readers so much when I'm writing it. Um, I kind of feel out whether I feel like the story's really working. Um, and then I've got a critique partner who kind of cool. double checks for me, is like, yeah, it is working or no, it's not working. So I don't have particular like I don't really have the readers in mind. The only the only I get guess aspect of the reader that I have in mind is is this getting boring is this yeah. getting you know is a reader going to get bored are they going to to put the book Pacing away that is a, yeah, the, yeah that feeling I, I want it to have a page turning feeling and so I suppose that is the element of the reader that I'm thinking about when I'm writing
0: yeah and this is obviously a very big question because you're on book three but what kind of comes next for you can you imagine more books in this world would you like to do something completely different
1: um no, I think <laughs> I think this will be the last time I write time travel. Back. I didn't, <laughs> I did not realize it was going to be that hard. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really keen to write um another fantasy. I think after this, um, yeah, I. Yeah, I think I think I might set this universe aside for a little while. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll really miss it. Maybe one of those characters I never got to include will you know jump up in my mind and want to want a story. But um, yeah, I think I'll just let it rest for a little while after book three. Nice.
0: And have you ever had anyone ask you about your mechanics of your time travel? Because I had uh, Pim track came on, and she was talking about her time travel in her book, and she's like, I didn't want to go into like the mechanics of how it works because once you're going into like space time continuums and have you ever had someone ask, how does the time travel work?
1: Just go no, it. but I, but I said to my critique partner, I must, I must include how it works. And she was like, I don't, I, for a little while, it no longer has this. It had some diagrams in book two. And then, yeah, my critique partner was like, please take out these diagrams. <laughs> <laughs> so there are no longer diagrams of time travel in book two. It's just, um, it's just a very just short t- explanation. They just can. Thank you to my critique partner. <laughs>
0: I'm going to be honest with you. I think that sounds like a really sound piece of advice. I mean, I think with yes. fantasy, you could get away with more. If this is a modern day, you know, setting and you're putting time travel in, you know, it's scientific based in fantasy. you got monsters. I think you can have time travel, right?
1: I agree. I, well, especially in retrospect, I definitely agree. <laughs> but at the time <laughs> I was like, oh, how could anyone understand this without these diagrams? Did you make the diagrams? I made the diagrams. I guess I love the mechanics of time travel. I, I had
0: part to. Pull of me back. really wants to see these diagrams. I want to see what was going on with that. You really I don't. Want to they that was even that
1: exciting. But...
0: Anyone who they wants to grass. see here are some of the diagrams that were not included. You know, scientists <laughs> everywhere will be like, "What is that?"
1: <gasps> yeah, they'll be like, oh my God, a new theory of time travel. No, they won't.
0: <laughs> We've just discovered the Len theory of time travel. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. Look, I think it's so exciting. I can't wait to revisit Joan and see what she's up to. I know that when we last saw her, we were, you know, things have changed a lot from book one into book two. So I think readers are going to be excited for that.
1: I hope so. I really wanted, um, so at the end of book one, something very big happens. I guess that's a, that's a bit of a theme for the books. And um, I had really wanted everything that happened in book one to have some really big consequences in book two. So, um, so everything that happened that Joan did in book one starts to have some big effects in book two. I feel like it's hard to talk about it without spoilers.
0: That's what I like that. I don't, I hate a book where like something massive happens and it's almost like we reset like we're just like I'm-. i hate a
1: reset You're like yeah. harry potter
0: like something massive would happen at the end of each one i know it affected a bit but they're like oh back to school i'm like what was
1: the so yeah, really my to be <laughs> yeah. i wanted the characters to be really affected by what had happened but also the world to be affected um i wanted i kind of wanted that feeling of like oh um nothing nothing that we thought was happening is now happening everything has changed
0: and I guess that's the other side, you know, when you have time travel books, there's a lot about consequence. I think that's always a theme that kind of runs through time travel stories, right? If you change things, there's going to be consequences. So I think it's interesting to see what those consequences mean for you as an author, what, what you feel that means.
1: Um, I think I particularly was really keen to keep the series feeling really fresh. So um, I think one of those ways was just to make sure that um, actions really do mean something, um, and that we're never going back, so we're always going forward in the relationships, um, in the twists and turns and the things that have been set up, so that you always feel like, oh, you're reading a fresh part of the book. This is not a repeat of something that's already happened. Yeah,
0: perfect. i'm I'm so excited. I really am. And now look, I have no idea what you're going to bring to your novel evening. Today, I don't know what to expect. So, (laughs) I don't. Have you got notes? Have you pre-planned? I, I have got. I mean, yeah, I, I think by now you know I'm a planner. I have have been spent. I have spent three years planning my novel evening. Here are some diagrams. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll supply those with the podcast.
0: (laughs) I can put those in for bonus content if people would like to see some diagrams of how this will work. So. First and foremost, where are we going to go for your evening? So that's the most important part.
1: This is a tricky one because I really wanted to use a setting from the books. Okay. Um, but all the people I'm inviting are kind of good guys. So we're going to be going to somewhere in the monster world. Um, and I'm just hoping that the guests don't realize that they're surrounded by monsters because I think okay. things could really kick off if that happened. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, so we're inviting heroes to... um Okay. We like a bit of drama. I like a bit of tension. That's right. I mean, we like an adventure. (laughs) Um, So I thought we'd go to um, the monster world in these books has these kind of John Wick-like way stations or hotels where only monsters go. So you could, um, if you arrive in a new time, you might go to one of these hotels and get clothes for your new time, get technology, get the right phone, get the right watch for your new time. So we're going to go to one of those. Um, and the one we're going to go to is uh, in Blackfriars near the Queen Hive dock. And because it's evening, we're going to be going up to this like um, kind of office building that looks very boring and ordinary. And it looks like there's no one in there because it's nighttime. But we're going to push the door open and gasp because it's very different inside than what it looks like outside. It's kind of a hotel lobby, and there's this giant glass wyvern and we realize oh we're in the wyvern inn in the monster world and we're gonna go up the stairs up the stairs to this um restaurant called the river room which has windows that have been imbued with the power of one of the monster families they have the ability to um kind of show you other times so we're looking at a view of the thames in roman times it's kind of double its current width it's got little kind of lacy inlets of water bit of terracotta buildings in the distance with smoke curling up and that's our view uh and we're going to be because this because it's this even though it's a lovely novel evening in this room it's always afternoon so we're going to be having an afternoon tea with little scones nice. and cakes
0: <laughs> yeah we lo- i love an afternoon tea
1: we do. Same. A... I love an afternoon tea. For every meal, I would have an afternoon tea. Yeah,
0: I absolutely I, I live for a scone. I'm like, I live in the home of scones. It's a good place to <laughs> yes. be. Okay. Okay, but the, the obviously the main question, and this is this is a very polarizing one, actually, is do you go jam first or cream
1: first? Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm a little bit of a heathen because I, I like it to look like toast, like a butter with jam on top. So I always go cream then jam, even though. I know that's probably well you're doing it it, so I live
0: in Devon so you're doing it the Devon way
1: so top marks for you because actually I do
0: it wrong for where I live and I because I like I like a lot of cream so I like jam (laughs) and I like to like spoon on cream so actually I you're doing it right for where I live you're doing it like top marks who
1: knew who knew I didn't
0: Cornwall and Devon there's that's the two different ways of doing it and it is I mean it's basically like our civil war it's quite a it's quite a big deal as to how you do your so scones. I could only go
1: to Devon I could never go to Cornwall. Is that what you could
0: never said? go to Cornwall and like that I can I'm just not allowed in my own home. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have scones out in public where I live because I'll probably be mobbed. Okay so we're gonna have some scones we're going into what time period are we in when we're going into the the Wyvern Inn?
1: So we are in just our normal modern time, but really mm. the moment you go in, it's going to feel like you're looking through windows that make it look like the Roman era. You've got to walk through a night market that, I mean, really it could be the prehistoric era because there's actually some stars in the sky in London. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and all around us, there's people in different clothes, like clothes from the 20s, hooped skirts, neon from the 80s. This is really a place oh, full nice. of time travellers amazing right we've got a pure setup
0: here so i'm down for this who's gonna be the first person who's gonna arrive
1: so i feel like i'm gonna do a a bunch of deep cuts here (laughs) but um my first my first guest is definitely a good guy um i'm bringing jane brailsford from carolyn stevemer's college of magics um which is a really wonderful book it's kind of a really early um an early dark academia crossed weirdly with an early cozy fantasy okay it's, um, <laughs> it's set in a college where um these girls um well if you graduate you become a witch of green law but what I really liked about the book was that for quite a long time in the book, you're not even sure if magic is real. You're not sure if um, Ooh, okay. you know, the, the teachers are just making all of this up. <laughs> um, but spoiler, because Jane is a witch. She, they they are actually learning how to do magic. They are actually doing and, it. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I, I feel like, yeah, I wanted to bring her because she's very sensible. She always has a cake. Like she'll okay. always have a whole cake with her. Not even nice magic. Nice for afternoon does. tea. Perfect. Yeah. And she'll help with the dishes, even though we're in a restaurant. But if we were at home, she would definitely help with the dishes.
0: Do you think she'd be at ease in this setting? Do you think she'd kind of be quite accepting of what's going on?
1: She's at ease in any setting, but I do think if she realized that there were monsters who stole human life, yeah, she wouldn't be happy about that okay, at so all. So we just got
0: to keep all this on the down low. That's easy. We yeah. can do that. Okay. So Jane's arrived. Who's coming next?
1: Um, I had to go to Harry Pratchett. And then I was like, well, I feel like Granny Weatherwax does not want to come to my dinner party, sadly. And then I was like, I don't think Vimes wants to come to my dinner party. So that was also sad. So I was like, who would actually come? Who would come? Maybe like maybe, maybe Carrot. Maybe Carrot would come. I feel like he gets on with everyone. I think um maybe Agnes Knit I would bring. I think I think, you know, she has that other personality, Padita, who could liven things up if things got a bit, you know, boring. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was the only Pratchett characters you were like, they'd probably come. <laughs> like, who would come? I was like, I guess I feel like Nanny would come, but I don't know. I think she would be too much of a handful. Yeah,
0: you do. Yeah. She would be quite intense in this location as well, I think. I mean, great. Yeah. Fun. If you like a drama, great yeah. fun. But it depends how low key you want to keep this. Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit low just a little bit
1: low-key, just in case, just in a case. A little bit, okay. Well, we've got
0: three guests, all of whom we need to keep so they don't know it's monsters surrounding them, so. Yeah,
1: unfortunately. I
0: mean, we can usually have loopholes in Novel leaving. I feel like we can have a little loophole where if the word monster can disappear or something, I mean, we can do something.
1: Right. <laughs> we can magic. have the broom without the monsters.
0: <laughs> if in doubt, it's magic. Magic. Right. Involves right. everything. Okay. Absolutely. Do you have
1: anyone else Absolutely. coming? Um, this is another deep cut, but I think I would bring this character called Lord Lord Ermanweir of the House Kingfisher, um, from a book called The Anvil of the World by Cage Baker. I think all of these characters that I've invited are side characters. I don't know. I think side characters just a little bit more relaxed than the main character. just okay. A little bit more ready to have some fun. <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> Generally, they're like the, either like the comic foil or. You know they've each mm-hmm. got a little bit. They're a bit more relaxed.
1: Yeah. there's not as much high like stakes ex-
0: for the side character usually.
1: Exactly, exactly. they're just having fun while well, the main character is just full of angst and yeah. really sad. <laughs> yeah, traumatized by the choices they have to
0: make. I would much rather be a side character.
1: Same um and i think it would be really fun he's very rich very generous okay. he gives gifts so i think that would be a fun guest to have and he's like the son of a demon and a sort of goddess saint so i feel like if something went really wrong one of his parents could show up and help us yeah
0: and maybe he'd be a bit more tolerant about the monster situation if your dad's yeah. a demon you've got to be a little bit more open surely yeah i saint- my morally
1: gray- <laughs> my morally gray guest
0: yeah so maybe he could maybe he could talk down the other guests if anyone caught wind maybe he'd be able to rationalize with them a bit
1: see it he'd be like look what's the year of your life yeah. maybe that's my dad's fine. a demon what are you on <laughs>
0: about could be worse <laughs> one year of your life you could be fine okay right. do you have anybody else
1: um, I think my last two, I've gotta go my favourite writer of all time, Dina Jones. I've gotta go Sophie Hatter from Howl's Movie Castle and oh, Christopher my- Chet, Christopher Mancy from the Christomancy books. I've, I've brought a lot of witches. i everyone I've brought is a witch except for Carrot, I suppose. You've got a very magical environment. Yeah. They're
0: gonna <laughs> I think it's gonna be okay. I know it's monsters, but I feel like if anyone's gonna be able to be a little more tolerant and understanding, this is the group.
1: That's right. And I was like, well, you know, if we did want to go on an adventure, I feel like Sophie and Christopher would really bring it. They'd be like, let's go on a real adventure. Let's make something happen. They'd be down (laughs) for this. Okay. And how do you
0: think this group would interact with each other? Well, I feel
1: like I brought people who are kind of fairly easygoing unless something really terrible goes down so I think you know as long as nobody realizes they're surrounded by monsters I think everyone will have a lovely time and Lord Ehrman and Perdita would keep things you know keep things moving if everything got a bit boring. I agree okay
0: this is where I usually ask if uh, there's anyone you don't want to join your evening.
1: Mm. Okay I've got to give a really Australian answer for this one (laughs) and say no bugs, no flies, no mosquitoes, <laughs> nothing flying around in the air.
0: A very Are you a flying bug? You don't like a
1: flying bug. I don't really love a crawling bug either, but I think I don't, particularly no mosquitoes, no mosquitoes welcome. I mean, I'm scared of your
0: home country. I'm just going to level. I've seen pictures of what comes out of your home country. And I have family in Australia that I could absolutely visit. And I'm quite scared too. Because I'm i a terrible arachnophobe for a start. So y'all with those spiders that are the size of a human
1: face. What is that? Oh, no, they're lovely. No, like a hugsman. No, they're lo- They eat mosquitoes. They're our friends. Yeah, they're our friends. Hugsman, would, would you
0: touch one? If you have one in your hand? would you? Can to you touch them? them? Are, they, are they venomous?
1: I think you could like put them in a cup if you wanted to. I don't know. I just leave them. How big really are your cups? <laughs> no. at <laughs> like daddy long length, I'll just leave it. <laughs> it's it's gonna eat the little bugs. No, see, so if you
0: saw the spiders I have in my home here in the UK that I describe as tarantulas and will literally be like be gone, beast. Like it can't it cannot. I'm very fair. My rule, am- I don't like to injure them. But my rule is if you stay up out where I can't reach you, you're safe. If you're on the floor or you're in my vicinity, I can't, I can't be held responsible. So I try to be fair. I have firm
1: rules. I mean, as long as you have a contract with them, I feel like that's fine. That's but if very I have a most fair.
0: huntsman, the- I'd burn my house down, Vanessa. That'd be the only way I could deal with it would be to destroy my house
1: with fire. Oh, I think if you lived here, you'd be like, oh, I think things could be worse. <laughs> really?
0: I just yes, but I, I mean you guys have all is so much sorts. west I think of a it worse than a spider. I mean we don't really get we might get mosquitoes oh. very rarely. The one thing we oh. you might not like is we have like flying ant season. Do you guys ever get that? Oh. We get like oh. one day of the year no, where yeah. our <laughs> I don't know swarms of flying ants for one day. There will just be flying ants everywhere for 24 hours and they disappear.
1: Wow. I could say when I was in London, I was like, this is the most delightful nature i've ever been here like there's nothing to be afraid of i don't have to be scared of snakes <laughs> like, the long grass is nothing to be feared no but
0: like, we have like an adder everyone's like the most poisonous the most venomous an adder i do not know a single human being who has ever as so much as seen an adder let alone you know i mean been bitten by one we have grass snakes but i mean it's basically a big slow worm we don't have anything you know we we might get jellyfish we get jellyfish in our sea sometimes, but they mostly just wash up on the beach but I mean for you I would never swim when would you go in the
1: sea you have sharks um, so um I guess you just swim between the flags and then the, the lifesavers will be like shark and then you get out of the water do the, do the sharks know about the, the flags
0: is that like a written agreement <laughs> they know about the flags they stay away from flags so you're I safe. believe that's
1: our contract <laughs> with the sharks yes yeah.
0: The Australian government negotiated that the, the they yeah. will not come past the flags. So fa- jellyfish <laughs> might, but... And you guys, could you guys get big jellyfish?
1: Is that right? Yeah, we do. I mean, where I am, there's nothing super scary. I've got to say, I mean, you got to go really far north to get to things that are like, oh, yeah. that might kill me. <laughs> I mean, snakes, yes, there are snakes here that could kill you.
0: <laughs> you're like, apart from the snakes, I saw the craziest yeah. video, I mean, it had to have been Australia, And this guy's in his back garden and there is this python in his back garden that is like the thickness of my neck, just like over his house. And he's like, oh, look at him. Isn't he beautiful? Like going off into the, into the trees. That is my nightmare. If I woke up and looked out my window and basically the, the snake from anaconda is outside my house.
1: I don't know how you guys. It's not poisonous though. It's just a python. Will they not squeeze you? No. I guess. No, I mean, how- that would be unlucky, wouldn't it? <laughs> just, don't just don't hug them, maybe that's.
0: A... <laughs> I mean, I lived in Canada for a while and that was quite a shock because the things in Canada that will kill you are big. We don't like bears, moose, you know, they have like, they have coyotes that go around the city at night. So I don't know what's worse, whether it's worth having like I- reptiles it's and bugs. scarier
1: because you can stay out of the sea and then you won't get eaten by a shark, but. You know a bear can come to you I think that's way scarier
0: yeah and I guess I mean if I came to visit I basically have to get those big plastic orbs so I could just roll around <laughs> Australia I'd feel so much safer <laughs> probably very hot but I would be like I am fine now nothing can land on me nothing can crawl past me absolutely but honestly they out there I think and the, again but the Canadians are so blasé they go walking in the woods like oh they're like just sing if you just sing the bears won't come to you and I'm like yeah no I wouldn't go into the Canadian woods (laughs) okay we'll just sing just sing really loud and the bears will leave you be and the moose because moose as well we saw a moose they're they're like cars they're huge huge right yeah and if a moose is angry I think there's actually more deaths by moose or something I might have just made that up that might not be an actual fact but I can imagine there's more death by moose than by bear.
1: Okay, I gotta re. I'm gonna say no, mo- no, mace, no moose, no moose, no moose, no moose, no You're welcome.
0: Moose? I don't know.
1: Moose doesn't know. sound
0: right. I think it's just moose.
1: No moose just... at my dinner party.
0: <laughs> the English language is just what? What were we doing? What have we been doing with the English language? And <laughs> uh, fair, no moose, no flying bugs. I mean, I just think this should just be predominantly an animal-free zone.
1: No, I mean, a dog is fine. A cat a is fine. Okay. So animals domesticated yeah. animals.
0: I mean, maybe, I yeah. don't know. They might have snakes. They might, I don't know, some of these time travelers have pets.
1: They do. They do have pets. There's a whole family that takes pets with them. And some of them do have snakes, now that I think
0: about so it. So we might <laughs> have some animals. Well, that's, do you know, I actually, I quite, out of all the animals you guys have, I quite like a snake.
1: Do you? I don't I've mind i to say, <laughs> they are the ones that I am afraid of. I mean again
0: we don't have venomous snakes in the UK we have people have cute little corn snakes as pets I'm sure if I was to I'm so naive as well I'd be like oh most venomous snake in the world I would not know I'd have no idea but I'm down if some of these people have bought little pets in
1: yes yes
0: that's okay
1: Okay, can I look
0: before I let you go because I imagine it's getting quite late where you are is it late or early uh, it's late late it's, getting... <laughs> it's not late late it's a little late, late. late it's getting it's getting later before I let you go I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment
1: oh I am I just oh I feel like I always get to read things a little bit earlier than everyone else because I get to read um the advanced copies but I just read a really amazing book that everyone should keep their eye out for it's called Darker by Four by June CL Tan and it's this really amazing oh it's like an Asian urban fantasy really modern with like bubble tea but there's also death gods and revenants and mages and I, I just really really enjoyed it it was really fun um really different from anything I'd read in a really long time so highly recommend look out for it uh, it's a really fun if the tagline movie. isn't
0: bubble tea and death gods because it absolutely you just if that's not the pitch you put on the front of that, that sold that's so me that's, when you like bubble tea the- death gods <laughs>
1: That is fully the feeling of the book. If you like bubble tea, if you like death gods, you'll love this book. And I do, I do want both of those things. So,
0: and I do, I love that there's a real surge at the moment of really cool Asian inspired fantasy. It's, it's awesome.
1: It is so cool because it's nothing that I had growing up. So I don't know. It's just it feels like such a joy to have it, to be able to read Yeah. And
0: you know what? It's really opened my eyes as well because some of the folklore, I find myself falling down like Wikipedia rabbit holes reading about this folklore and these customs that I would have been totally blind to.
1: I mean, me too. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It's wicked. And what's next on your reading? Do you know what you're going to pick up next?
1: um, I think I might be reading... Wait, cause while I look this up. (laughs) So I'm really excited to read another advanced book. um, This one's by Kimberly Cole. I believe it comes out next year. um, And it is called So Let The Burn. Ooh! Yeah, it's like a fantasy Joan of Arc. I think was the inspiration. So, I've been really excited. But I feel like I'm. I've seen her talking about this on Twitter for so long that I've just been excited to read it. For I yeah, feel like you feel
0: that anticipation. Oh, I do love. <laughs> yeah. I love a Joan of Arc like retelling or inspiration. I don't know why there's not more, especially in fantasy. It's like a rich story to use for that.
1: Yeah, she's such a great character as well. Yeah, you're so right. Why isn't that more used in fantasy? Yeah,
0: we have a like. I always think, so like the Celtic one, like Beresia, and like why is there not so much more? I oh, agree. Why doesn't she have a movie? I'm so surprised. Wow, I'm actually a film student so now. I'm like Beresia movie. I'm writing that for like one day when I'm a director, and I'm like, I don't know. This idea just came to me really organically. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I I went looking for a movie like the other day. That's why I'm like, there's no movies. I want to watch this movie.
0: Yeah, we need we need more historical, really
1: badass. Yeah, like really amazing warrior women.
0: You know, like the Ridley Scott. We got Ridley Scott's bringing out Napoleon. Oh. I want to yeah. see Bodicea. I want to see you know, there's right? who was the last like the the last uh, empress of like China. He was like incredible. Why am I not seeing that? Oh,
1: I, yeah, yeah, the one in um Iron Widow is that that one? I don't know. I I don't know my Chinese history.
0: (laughs) No, there was one. And she was like, the courtly machinations that she was doing and the the sheer number of armies she had. I'm like, why are we not? This is what I want to see. I want to see a movie about that for sure. There we go. That's what we're, that's my next project. And someday I'm going to be like, this is inspired by... And look, I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your night. Go and get cosy. This has been such a pleasure. Even even with all of the technical issues at the start, we got to the end and it's been so much fun.
1: Oh, well, this has been so lovely. Like, it was such a fun... It's so fun to come up with characters to go to a dinner party with.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of A Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.